Steve, I've got a really personal question to ask you. Yeah. You don't have to answer it. I realize this is a uh, sensitive subject for some people, but there are a lot of people having some wild dreams and wild experiences. And I want to know if this has happened to you. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Have you ever been abducted by aliens? Man, I have had several interesting dreams. And I woke up with my butt hurting. (laughs) (laughs) Now let's start the show. Our modern Western culture places little to no value on the power of our nightly dreams to inspire, shift, and reorganize our lives. This podcast demands a deep reconsideration of the role our dreams play on our path to a more vital and meaningful life. The following is living proof of the life-affirming power of dreams to affect change and redirect the trajectory of our inner and outer lives. Over the decades since the famous Roswell crash landing in 1947, our collective imaginations have been intrigued and terrified at the thought that we might actually not be alone. And so many of the accounts of alien abduction have included full-on dream experiences or very dreamlike experiences. And while I joked in the intro, these experiences are very real for the people who are having them. They can be wildly traumatizing or they can be divine-like experiences. And very unfortunately for the people having them, There is such a taboo and such a stigma surrounding all of it that they are often instantly labeled crazy and shamed. Some people literally never speak about it out of fear of sounding crazy. And yet, just this year, whistleblowers from the US military and Pentagon stepped forward and told Congress that the US government has had a multi-decade reverse engineering program for the recovered UAPs that they've discovered. And also that the U.S. has recovered biologics, which that is absolutely the grossest word they could have used from some of these crashes. So with us today, our guest is Fred Zewi, who is an investigator for the organization known as MUFON, which is the Mutual UFO Network, the world's largest and oldest civilian-ran UFO investigation and research organization. Fred shares a whole slew of -of out-of-body experiences, sleep paralysis experiences, and dreams that he's had that showcase what these experiences have looked like for him and how typical they are in the people's experiences that he's investigated. Unfortunately, him and Jason experienced a major technical malfunction at about an hour in. So Jason and I wrap up the conversation discussing things a little further. So what in the world is happening? Have these accounts been accurate? 
What do these experiences look like? Are they here to help? <laughs> That's my big question. And how will you reconsider your own ET dreams after this conversation? And you'll hear after the interview how I began to question a few of the ET dreams that I've had. So strap in, hold tight as we take off into a whole new spooky reality. Let's begin the wait. Wait, what's that beam of light? Whoa, 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 enjoy the show! Hello and welcome back to the Dreams That Shape Us podcast. I'm your co-host, J.M. DeBoard. You'll be hearing from Steve Ernenwein, my partner in the podcast, a little later with his commentary. I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say about our uh, guest and what he's experienced <laughs> through his dreams. We have with us Fred Zewi. Um, Fred is a retired electronics technician, and he's also currently a MUFON investigator. Fred, you're in Nebraska, if I'm remembering That's correct. correctly. Yeah, okay. Bellevue, Nebraska. Yeah, I'm an assistant state director for MUFON. And so I've been doing that for umpteen number of years and having a lot of fun uh, picking up somewhat kind of like what your your folks coming in and listening to your radio, uh, their experiences, dreams. And that's one of the very first things I asked uh, my MUFON um, uh, witnesses is, that, have you had any strange dreams and yeah. uh, occurrences, you know, and that just seems to propagate uh, even more down the road of the, the rabbit hole that we fall fall, fall down into. Well, <laughs> yes. Well, we are, we're going into the rabbit hole very quickly because one of the first questions I had for you was how you use dreams as a MUFON investigator. But I think first MUFON, the mutual UFO network is a volunteer network of people who investigate reports of uh, UFO sightings, UFO contact, um, and basically you look for the goods, you get the stories, yeah. you gather the data and you put it together. There's now, what would you say? Thousands of reports that come in from across the country every year that get investigated by MUFON. Uh, even more than thousands. I mean, I think people, this is, this is undoubtedly, uh, something that is, um, moving even quicker and faster, you know, and people are looking up, uh, I think the sensitivity of, like, you know, Jason, the, the energies are ramping up and it's and the veil is thinning and people are having more internal experiences as well, you know, if not external. Which I find very interesting um, as I've looked into this subject is that a lot of these reports are very dreamlike. When you get yes. beyond these sort of nuts and bolts, I saw a flying saucer, it landed on a yep. tripod, you know, <laughs> like we're looking for the physical side of it, but there's also very much a an experiential side of right. this, uh, mysterious, esoteric. Um, and so I found it very interesting that you are using dreams as one of your investigative tools. Um, but let's come back to that. Fred, okay. I would first like to give listeners a little more idea of who you are sure and what you're about why don't we start with um you know where are you from and what was your early dream life like well yeah um i'm from marshalltown iowa central iowa and grew up in a very small blue collared town a lot of industry and things of that nature so it's a very typical upbringing for me anyway i mean very home home set with family lots of relatives uh lutheran up upbringing, had to do the confirmation gig, you know, and things of that nature. 
My dad was Catholic, but my mom went out on the Lutheran part of it. And uh, so, you know, I was a sports nut, you know, your athlete swam and played tennis and things of that nature. So I really didn't, you know, even in confirmation, and uh, my minister said, hey, if you just believed in all these stories about the Bible, do you still believe? And there's something inside me, Jason, that said, oh, hell no, I'm out of here, you know. So, again, that's just a part of me that kind of connecting with my own intuitional aspect and things of that nature. Dreams at that time were uh, not prevalent at, as much as they were in the, as I grew up. Um, though I did have one dream where it's the typical monster dream, you know, and I was probably very young, like six, six years of age, seven years of age. And it's that monster dream that comes and you're running away from the monster. Like, and all of a sudden you get that the molasses effect where you can't move and the body slows down and the, the monster's coming up behind you. And sure enough, that was a repetitious dream. And I continued to have that dream until one day I just said, all right, I'm going to face it. And sure enough, the dream came again. I finally turned around here and the monster came to me. And guess what happened? The monster mm. killed me. You know, oh, no. and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, again, in dream interpretation, again, once you get killed, it's just a change that takes place. It's a change. You know, it's a death of – and I could almost think of it as that, well, well, what do we do? We live out of the subconscious as the child. And so the conscious collection of the mind comes – overlays the conscious mind. So I had to finally come to conclusion that my conscious thoughts were overwhelming my subconscious thoughts. And so of that construct, or it could have been the time when I hit my head on a curb and had a fractured skull. And maybe I might have been a premonition that something of that was going to happen. So well, I have no idea. It sounds like it was um, a harbinger of change. The, the, yes. A, it's an announcement that childhood is over because you've, you've right. faced the, you faced the monster, which for one is a more adult, uh, you know, kind of heroic thing to do. Right. So that was exactly. a change. But then it, it the monster actually ends up killing you in the dream, right. which is Again, a way of saying that it's killing off the child consciousness and it's allowing right. room for a deeper consciousness to emerge. Which Correct. I'm guessing based on your um, your history, what I know about you is, is that um, you set off from there um, into exploring the deeper waters. Um, you have found that you had... Um, something inside of you that was calling for fulfillment and it led you to go to places where you could um, learn more about deeper spiritual practices right. and truths. Um, what part of, about how old were you when you set off on that journey? I know you graduated from college, you started working for the railroad and right. it seemed that you reached the crossroads. So what happened from there, Fred? There was an individual, when you just mentioned that, it was a friend of mine, and he talked about uh, the Maharishi University down in Fairfield, Iowa. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, and, you know, like, and I'm, you know, meditation and higher states of consciousness. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You know, I had no clue about that, you know. And, of course, some, some of my other workmates coming up and I'm like, hush, 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 don't talk about this stuff. This is crazy stuff, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Especially so to someone was, from that, a Lutheran background is very conventional, and then here you are butting up against something that's um, right. very outside of your uh, wheelhouse, outside of your experience, and it was already starting to call to you. Something. Yeah, I mean, I I found it very fascinating. I mean, at that point, I was like, 
God, I was like, I didn't want to look stupid. I didn't look crazy, you know, like, don't tell these guys that we're talking about this, you know. So I was kind of uh, foreboding a little bit on that. But but then, again, Crossroads coming forward, met a relationship. Everything just fell in synchronicity from that point on, uh, Jason, that I uh, ran into this girlfriend and, and uh, fell deeply in love with her. Synchronicity just played out tremendously in meeting this woman. And in that front, uh, I was sitting in my sitting in my apartment. She went to work that Saturday morning, and, she, and all of a sudden, I get this feeling that oh, the phone's going to ring. There's something I need to know. And through my college, my four years of college, I knew there was something I needed to know, but I didn't know what it was. I just knew, and and I go, this is it. And the and within 15 seconds, the phone rang. I picked it up, and it's my girlfriend, Gail. She says, come on down here and uh, where we work. My my boss is talking about metaphysics and talking about uh, universal truths and things of that nature. I think you might be interested in it. And sure enough, I went down there and I found out that this gal was in the School of Metaphysics with Dr. Uh, what's, uh, Rothermill from Kansas City uh, down in Missouri and talked about Unity Church uh, here in Omaha. I'm like, this was it. That cracked in that. I got into metaphysics. I got into the school of metaphysics. Got into understanding that that heaven is a state of consciousness. And the whole get go. I just ran down the rabbit hole from that point. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And Dr. Othermill would come up and give uh, has a gal that did readings, and he used the format of of. Uh, Edgar Casey said, you, you will find this person within this house, you know, and you pick up the vibrations of this individual and you'll give a past life reading of this individual. And I'm like, holy Corolla. I mean, my whole mind went, Boosh, you know, it just exploded. And we were doing candle concentrations to recording our dreams every night and things of that nature. And then just blew me away. And that's, that's again, was the start of my spiritual journey per se. And that also sounds like it was what got you into the deeper side of dreaming that you were introduced. To <laughs> exactly. This. Exactly. So tell us how that unfolds, because this is something I've experienced and our guests have told us about. Dr. Laurel Clark, by the way, was uh, mm -hmm. uh, pretty involved with um, the School of Metaphysics, and she's been one of our guests. Um, uh, and what we've a commonality that we found in the experience of people who get into these deeper meditation practices is, is that their dream life really deepens. It's like a door opens. I mean, the, you know, the, mm -hmm. the sort of the proverbial door opens the rabbit hole. There it is. And you right. go down it and you sort of get invited to see that there's a deeper reality and your dreams are your introduction. Was that what you found through your experience? Well, yes. And this just, I mean, the whole idea of metaphysics and past lives and reincarnation, it just felt right. I mean, it, I didn't have to have any factual. It just I just knew this is correct, you know, and I just flew with it. And well, in this relationship, it came down to a point of a uh, dark night of a soul for me. And uh, I was just I mean, I feel in her energies. I, I was starting to have feelings where you know I, I can sense where she's at it's almost like remote viewing and i'm like what is going on i mean i'm rolling and she was a reborn kind of a christian and i would go to church with her and i'd roll out of the church like what is going on i am so sky high you know i'm thinking about god i'm thinking never thought of this 
process at all, you know, and all this energy rolling through my body, and I'm just going, holy crow, and I'm having dreams, and and in that construct, you know, uh, we were supposed to get married within, you know, we were engaged for quite a while, for six months, and we were going to get married, and she finally decides, um, this guy's going way in left field, and <laughs> I can't marry this guy, so two weeks, she went through all the, you know, all the, you know, the parties, you know, and things of that nature for the wedding and things. And then two weeks before she were to get married. And of course, I'm already down the road having ch- children with this, with this gal and, and everything else. And she says, no, I'm done. She tells me uh, that I'm leaving. And two weeks before I was to get married, she said, I'm leaving. My father's coming, my brother, and he's going to come pick and, and we're going to leave. And that's when... I just lost it. I sat there at the table. I was crying hysterically, and I went from a state of crying hysterically to to utteral laughter, guttural laughter, back and forth. Like, is this where I'm like I'm losing my mind, or you know, people just going crazy? And I'm like, and going through these states back and forth of crying and hysterical laughter. But then I found that uh, a couple days later, I I um. I was laying down on the ground and looking up in the stars and I kind of gave God this ultimatum and said, you need to show up. You need to show up or I'm out of here. You know, I, I suicidal, things of that nature. So that night I fell asleep and this is what started the ball rolling with the dreams. And then in the dream, I woke up and I saw myself through a kind of a doorway and I'm sitting on this, at the bar on a stool and I see myself melting off the stool into a puddle of water on the floor. I'm like looking at and I'm like, what the freak? And next thing I know, I hear this voice says, Fred, wake up. And so I woke up and I didn't know anything. I'm in, I'm in sleep paralysis. I'm totally awake. I'm looking through the room and I'm out in these little starlights throughout the room and the whole room is lit up in light with these little starlights throughout the room just floating through the air. I could see in my bathroom, I could see in my closet, but again, the eyes is the only thing I can move. I'm just in this paralysis. Then I look over to my mirror. My mirror is like three feet by five feet and there's a movie playing on the mirror and it's me and, and this other little boy. We're I'm seeing this movie being played. I'm like, how crazy is this? You know, and you know, I'm I'm very rational. I'm looking and I'm watching this film, and here here I am with this other little boy riding her bicycle in front of junior high school, and I'm and I'm looking back and forth between the mirror, the, the movie, and in in around the room, and all of a sudden I hear this tone. It went do 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 do, and all of a sudden I go click, and I blink my eyes and blink again, and the whole thing just went whoosh, gone. I'm back into normality. I'm able to move, and I just go, "Holy frick!" But just what just transpired. Again, looking at the dream and looking at uh, the metaphors there, 
like I'm at a neophyte level. I'm working with some young man or some young understanding riding our bicycles. Our bicycles are a path of direction, but I'm at a junior high level. I'm at a neophyte level. And so that's basically the, the meaning I got from the dream. And the stars is this like open source of just source energy of the universe and things of that nature. But the funny thing is every Wednesday night for the next probably three to four weeks, I would have another dream just like I just had. And it would again propel me out into this paralysis. And then again, one time I just lifted right out of my body and where I saw my legs, my astral legs come out of my, out of the sheets. And of course that freaked me out and I slammed back in the body, you know, things of that nature. So that was the start. That was the Hello, the yeah. waking the waking up. And again, Fred, wake up is the the, the censure right there. When did I wake up? Well, that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it seems that um, sleep paralysis seems to be sort of a gateway state for people because right. they they so sleep paralysis is when your body is asleep but your mind wakes up. You right. sometimes, oftentimes have the dreaming function of the mind is still running. So you get an overlay. You can open your eyes, see what's going on in your bedroom, but you get an overlay of dream content. And of course, Correct. that runs the spectrum, um, you know, from mundane, you know, there could be slight alterations to your normal environment. You look over Correct. like, wait a minute, the door is, you know, on the other wall or something all the way up through experiences where you have um, entities in the room with you, you know, Correct. the ceiling opens up and you can look out into the, you know, out into the universe, things along those lines. So it sounds like your sleep paralysis was a gateway state for you to um, get into some of these deeper experiences. So I know that this continued, you continued having these sleep paralysis experiences and, uh, describe what that's like, you know, kind of levitating out of the bed, looking down, seeing yourself asleep, realizing you're in your astral body. What right. is that like? And how did you adjust to it so that you could just roll with it rather than like your first time where you look and go, Oh no, 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 no. We're going back <laughs> into this body. We are not letting go yet. Well, the funny thing is, Jason, is that I think it's the metaphysics and the spirituality that comes in with that understanding that, uh, that you do have, uh, I think, I think people would freak out even more so if they didn't have some sort of preparatory understanding that, hey, I'm a, I have the ability to launch myself out of body, and I knew I could astrally travel and, and things of that nature. So for me to be in this paralysis state, which again was a, you know, really a shocking experience because you want to you want to be able to be in control of your body and you're not you know you're just locked down you know I'll, I'll refer to this this is one of my one of my first experiences with uh the, what i call the blue beam of my encounters with these uh, higher with these beings or ets and i'm in mildenhall england jason and I'm with my wife, and she came over for a couple of weeks with me to spend with me. And uh, I fall asleep. And the next thing I know, I wake up. I'm highly conscious. I'm <laughs> I'm levitating over my bed in Omaha, Nebraska. I get that. I'm in I'm in Mildenhall, England. I find myself totally conscious, standing upright over the top of my bed in Omaha, and this blue vortex is spinning within my room and I'm like, oh, I'm just out of body. Let's go have some fun. So I try to fly through 
the blue vortex through the wall. I'm looking at the wall right now. And I couldn't get through the wall. I'm looking, you know, and I was just going to fly through because I thought, oh, heck, I can do all this, all this stuff. I couldn't get through the wall. This blue beam seemed to keep. But while I was in the wall, I stuck my arm through the wall and my molecules and the atomic structure of my arm interlaced the wall. I could feel the, the molecules of the wall with my arm going through the wall, which was really strange. But then I pulled back out and I walked over to the window and I put my arm through the window. I'm like, oh, that was easy. You know, no wonder spirit likes to go through windows. <laughs> uh-huh. And all of a sudden, this energy is just like, zoop, it, it just pulled me straight back into the center of the room. And next thing I know, zoop, up through the ceiling I went. And when I went through the ceiling, that's when I lost consciousness. And then I don't know how much later, but I woke up back in Milden Hall. Talk about a, distort, a distortion of, of, of feelings of I'm in Millenhall, but then yet again, was this a premonition that I was going to have more of these, you know, here in Omaha, that I, I found myself here in Omaha that on that very first one, and then zipping back to um, um, uh, Hall, England. And of course, my wife is very psychic as well. And so sure enough, as the days rolled by, I would have encounters again, uh, where I would wake up. And I would be uh, a blue vortex spinning in the room. And, and once again, uh, one of the very last ones I had was I was just walking into the bedroom and I would just put my leg up on my bed. They wanted me so bad. They yanked me out of body. I rolled out of my backside of my body onto the floor, close to the floor and rolled right back up. And I'm going, OK, guys, I'm pissed. I am super pissed. You know, you're yanking me, you're taking me, and I don't, I'm, I'm losing consciousness. So I just kind of folded my arms and I just sat there and then I just saw the blue beam spinning quicker and faster and then whoosh, up through the ceiling I went. And again, I woke back up sometime later. So that's okay, some so of those. You used a pronoun there that you're going to have to explain. You said they, they yeah. want you and you yep. referred to them as, okay, guys, like you're addressing them as if there's, I mean, you're in a bedroom, you're in sleep paralysis, uh, you're, you're becoming awake while your right. body is asleep, your right. mind is perceiving these changes in your environment, I mean, a big swirling. But even, even that last one, Jason, I wasn't really paralyzed, I, just, I was just rolling into the bed, you know, and it, it yanked me out of the body, and then I rolled right up into this vortex, again, I'm just standing, levitating over the top of my bed. You know, straight up and down, not linear like laying on bed, but it's up straight up and down. And I'm just pissed. I, you know, everything's cognizant. I'm highly cognizant of what's going on. I'm pissed. I said, okay, guys, I want to, I don't know, I want to remember more than just going through the ceiling. And where else am I going? You know, am I going to the craft? Am I going elsewhere? Where am I going? And then eventually, one of my very last experiences that is cognizant is. I was in uh, Saudi Arabia, and I just got done reading. It's working uh, seven twelve, so to speak, with uh, my job, so to speak. And I was reading a book, and I'm tired, and I shut my eyes, and in my mind's eye, I see one gray after another, bam, 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 bam. I'm like, okay, dudes. I said, if you want to take me today, then I will put my book down and kind of relax. And sure enough, I did. And as soon as I was just about ready to fall asleep, I wake up, I look to my left, 
and there's three greys looking, staring right me in the, right in the eye, and they said, "You're being very brave, but there's undue circumstances, so we gotta go." I go, dude, you ain't going anywhere until you tell me what the hell's going on, because I'm like, I've been going on this for like, you know, five, six years now of all these craziness, and I finally get to see you guys. And I said, "You're not going anywhere until," and they say the same exact same thing. You're being very brave, and undue circumstances, we've gotta go. And I'm like, no, and that's when the one guy grabbed me by the wrist, and that's when it freaked me out when I felt the arm and the hand on my wrist, and he yanked me out of bed, and I looked at the third guy and said, where are you from? And he said, I said, what's your name? And he said, Cirrus. And I said, okay, and then all of a sudden, I see a portal on the wall. It had sacred geometry, colors of vivid yellows and oranges, and things of the nature with sacred geometry and we went through the portal and guess what i lose consciousness of course and and then i wake up and I look at my watch 45 minutes had transpired and i woke back up i'm going there it is so they are the big they they the, are the grays they the are grays. visitors yes um which uh i you know it shouldn't surprise anyone that you end up as a MUFON investigator. Yeah, um, go figure. You, know, <laughs> you, you end up having these experiences. And I remember from your uh, interview with Wendy Garrett, um, yeah. that uh, you said that MUFON is starting to become more open-minded to experiences beyond sort of the nuts and bolts experiences right. of that know, was that was the strange thing jason yeah that was the strange thing when i first went to move on it was so freaking nuts and bolts and i talk about my experience and these guys were going you are freaking out of your head you're crazy i was like you know you just haven't had experiences you know just, i mean if i told you these experiences these guys are like they're all military you know they're all like you know looking at the jets and what they can do and we're talking about uh Various different things, you know, you know, that could happen, you know, things of that nature. But they were pretty much nuts and, much nuts and bolts. And so I was kind of alone, you know. This is, and we were talking back in the 90s, you know. And, of course, things have changed a lot since then. But now that MUFON has come forward the last probably five, six years now, they've engaged in their ERT, which is Experiencers Research Team, which I am a part of. And I get to talk with witnesses just like and listen to stories much like my own that these individuals are come forward, especially this one young man comes forward. The only person I've ever talked to about my experiences has been my wife. And, and he said, well, tell me about your experience. And, and then next thing you know, he starts telling me, uh, I said, you know, Jason, as you talk with me, you're going to have more experiences after this, because I can tell, you know, as you start talking about this stuff, and you engage yourself, you're basically opening yourself up and it's free to talk about it. And yes, these are real. These are true experiences. These people just don't realize. And and he's he's an LDS, he's a Mormon LDS, and you know, and, and of course you're you're working with their religious uh, perspectives and things like that, and Josephs and you know, uh, the angel Moroni and things of that nature. So I gotta work with all, all the different selections of this. But he did, you know, about four days later, he called me back. He said, Fred, you're right. I had an, I had another dream and I was outside my house. And I looked up and there was this triangular craft that's up above me. And I go, what happened after that? I says, and he drew a picture of it for me. And it was, it was really a V-shaped craft. He said, next thing I knew, I was up on the craft. I'm looking at this eight-foot woman. The head was very human-like, but the body was that of a gray 
And then he goes, she tells me, I want to have sex with you. I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. Right down the rabbit hole of eight, <laughs> right down the rabbit hole. I said, holy oh. crow. And I says, right. Well, sounds like you're part of the abduction in you know, a hybrid uh, alien hybrid program, you know, and things of that nature. And it goes on and on and on with this guy, you know, to a point of even I think this guy is even part of the secret space program. So that's another sidekick. But back to what you were talking about. I mean, these are the things that happen to people. They will, and they again, they will go all their life not even talking about this stuff. And this guy's 58 years old. He's never talked to anybody else but me and his wife and because he's afraid of what's going on. And he had, he has these blood, uh, uh, brain uh, lesions of, of bleeding uh, in the in the brain, you know. And uh, he has these operations where he puts patches on it, and he would have these severe, severe headaches and blood uh, brain bleeds, as call them. And uh, I said, really, I've never heard of that. And I, and he, as he was talking with me, Jason, he started to shake. And then he started getting the headaches. I'm like, oh, here we go. I said, what you're doing is you're breaking through a lot of uh, belief patterns that are being shattered. And yet again, you're you're going through uh, probably touching base with these other prior experiences and you're shaking and the headaches are coming because you're not to talk about it. You know, you were you may be programmed not to talk about it, but now yeah. you're talking about it and you're crazy. All this resistance and that resistance is that shattering and that and the shakiness and the headaching. So I had to do a lot of work with this young man. And so we had a good time. So these are the things that, you know, maybe some of your listeners are, have gone through and things of that nature. So, yes, this is very It strange. reminds me of uh, Lloyd Auerbach, who is a, yep. a psychic investigator who said yep. that he witnessed there was a, a woman who had started therapy and she started uncovering memories of being molested by her uh, father exactly. or stepfather yep. as a child. Yep. He said that she was so resistant to talking about it that he, as he was talking with her, he could actually see the physical depression on her throat as if she was being strangled. Right. That's how hard the, the resistance was to allowing herself to speak about these things, that it could manifest physically. So if we look at that as being sort of a spectrum of experience, what you're also seeing is, is that there are people who, um, when they have difficulty talking about some of their, you know, uh, shall we say ET contact experiences, right. um, they, they're, they have to overcome, there could be a physical side of sure. this where the resistance can be so strong, especially someone who grows up like LDS, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're in that Latter-day Saints church, sure. uh, very traditional conservative. Um, although if you look at how mystical their belief system is, it, you know, it's, Oh yeah. It, they have, not they have, stretch, you know, they have seers within the church, you know, they have psychics in the church. And that's one thing I did like about the Mormon church. And he says, Oh yeah. And I said, I started calling him, uh, patriarchal angel you know, James, you know, and I'm like, because he too is highly psychic. He just, you know, he doesn't realize how sensitive he is, you know, and, and, uh, that, that format. And so, yeah, they use, so they use that part, you know, and, and talking about, you know, Mike, our archangel, uh, Moroni, you know, uh, with Joseph Smith, you know, again, that's all part of it, you know? And so, you know, so he's easy. It's a little bit easier to work with him, knowing that there are archangels out there and things of that nature. So, 
So yet again, I think they do know there's other entities out there in the in the quantum. You know, I like to use the word quantum as uh, the spiritual realms and things that we tap into as we go into them in that beta state to sleep state into that REM sleep with of uh, the human resonance at 7.83 hertz that seems to be the opening gateway into the multidimensional realities. And so it's always falling asleep. Going into that paralysis, if if you even remember that part, but you can go right into the dream state of lucidity. And again, we're talking about lucid dreams too. And I can talk to you about some of the lucid dreams I've had, you know, of things of that nature, which are very powerful. Or you're cognizant of waking up and going, "Hey, I'm dreaming," you know. And and I and then this one, I went over to a table and I, and I would always, I kind of program myself a little bit, and I said, you know just realize you're dreaming and say, test, test, test. And so my test is to go over to a table over the wall because I've already done it before and put my arm through the table. And I go, yep, I'm dreaming. So what, what do you want to do? So one time I, I said, I wanted to see the highest of the angels, you know, and things of that nature. Next thing I know, zip, as soon as I did that, I assume I put my arm through the table and test, test, test. I found myself just shooting up and all of a sudden I, I'm feeling it electrified. You know, this energy is just, and all of a sudden, bam! And the next thing I know, I'm looking at two light beings right in front of me. And the the energies, you know, I just see the whiteness. I can see a little bit of form of the body, but nothing of detail. And I'm like, okay, guys, you can talk to me. And next thing you know, I wake up just like that, bam. And I said, well, you know, light beings... They don't need to talk. They'll just download you with the information that they need. And so I said I was fine with that. So this one so of those. It, it seems that the point of this is that you're being introduced to, um, let's just say, higher states of consciousness. Hi. Yes. And so do you think that these grays that you've experienced in this realm are kind of on a spectrum, the same with, um, you know, angels and uh, spiritual gurus and other beings that you can encounter when you're in this altered state of consciousness? It seems like the grays are just a form that's taken that is um, something that the mind can sort of wrap itself around as strange as that might sound do you think that this is i mean this this seems like it's a training ground that you're being introduced to a reality that exists but most people aren't even aware of it you can you can look at it that way but still too uh the grays you know are they corpineal i mean are they actually physically real you know and they have do they have the technology to just manifest physically and i'm getting to construct okay Here's here's an experience I had, which again explains some different scenarios. Um, my wife and I are up in stairs, and are, you know we just got done watching a movie, and we walked upstairs in the bedroom. You know we we're chit chatting about the movie, you know while we we're sitting there laying in bed, and I'm looking over and talking to her, and all of a sudden I hear the front door open. I'm like, huh? And I hear footsteps coming up the stairs. And I turned to my wife, Mary, and I said, hey, do you hear that? And she goes, yeah. And I, all of a sudden, the hallway just lit up in light. And I, and I still hear another series of footsteps coming up, another series of steps in our, in our hallway. And all of a sudden, there's this big flash, whoosh, big flash of light. And I'm going, whoa. And all of a sudden, I felt instantaneously, I go into a paralysis, and I look. 
through the over to the doorway and I three, see three grays walking through the doorway and guess what I lose consciousness and that was another one of those scenarios where there is that flash is the technology which opens the portal which allows these beings to come in and and I'm pretty sure that's the envelope by which they appear and they have that technology which they can be physical highly physical and as much as the, the last one I told you about them coming over and reaching and grabbing for my arm and, and feeling the arm and the tension being yanked you know and again the one saying he's from uh, the name was Cirrus but actually I felt like they were from they didn't they didn't really have names that's where they were from the star system of Cirrus so did your wife experience it too Yes, you know what? I, I really don't remember what she what she remembered of the dream, you know, but there was another time where we had another experience and uh, one was a healing uh, incident and uh, she was kind of picking a fight with me one night. I'm like, why are you being so aggressive and argumentative with me? And she says, well, they want me to go into the other bedroom. I'm like, what are you talking about? Um they want me to go sleep in the other bedroom. I said, is that what you want to do? She goes, no. So we go upstairs and we fall asleep. I lay down and I'm, and I'm completely okay. And, and I fall asleep and the next thing I wake up and she's, she's missing. So I said, well, she went to the other room and I said, well, that's evidently that's where she needs to be good to go. And so I've, I fell back asleep and all of a sudden I hear this Fred, 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 you know, just screaming. And I, I'm like, I try to get up. I'm in paralysis. And and all of a sudden, it's almost like a light switch was thrown. And like that quick click, my body, I'm out of paralysis. I get up. I walk over in the, into the other bedroom. And I said, did they come? They go, she said, yes. And I said, what happened? She says, well, they put a pillow over my face. I said, why did they do that for? And I said, I did ask them that, she said. And said, they said, if you saw us, you would rebuke us. I'm like, oh, so they must have been pretty, pretty ugly, you know. <laughs> and like she would a rebuking Satan kind of thing. People, well, you know, rebuking in the se- just so. yeah, and that's the word that she used that they used in the sense that they you would you would be mortified, you know, and reject them. And I said, what what happened? I said, well, I could feel like they used their arm or some sort of technology, and they I could feel this wave go across my body, and each time I did the energy just increased in my body. And each time they did that, I said, I felt like a, a, a purging of drowser energies within the body. And, and as they continued, I felt higher and higher and, and higher frequencies. I said, Oh, okay. So basically I was in paralysis because I was not supposed to mess with them. You know, so they strapped me down in paralysis until it was over until they were done. And once they left and then they, through the switch and I was able to get up and go over and speak with her. So that was one of those other scenarios. You and, you would think that they would know enough about human culture to know that the pillow over the face is a, um, a classic, you know, you're about to it? die move and that you're going to, you know, trigger somebody's um, fight or flight response by doing yeah. that. Or that they would take a form that would be more... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, a different see, screen memory. As an angel, uh, right. something like right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very now, true. This uh, gets us, Fred, for one, it takes us back to where we started, which is okay. that you've been using your dreams, your experiences with mm-hmm. these 
types of dreams, uh, con column contact dreams. Right. You now recognize when you're talking with someone as a MUFON investigator and they start describing something similar and you start asking them about their dreams. Is this why? Yeah, and it is. It is. The, I asked them, ever had sleep paralysis before or have you had any strange, strange dreams that you felt like you were elsewhere or things of that nature. And, and yeah, that, those are the types of, you know, those are the kind of like the trigger points here, the triggers or markers that we use in with MUFON. Uh, you know, have you had uh, sleep paralysis? Have you had uh, various different uh, feelings of such, you know, and, but more or less, you know, I think it just starts with the dreams, you know, I said, well, tell me about your, your dreams, you know, or, or your experience, you know, and, and what happened d during your experience. And, I just got done talking with one of our MUFON investigators, one of our new ones, and he told me about the sighting that he saw. He saw a triangular craft when he was like in fifth or sixth grade, and this triangular craft came right over him, you know. And I said, well, what happened? And he says, I don't know. I don't – you know what, Fred? That's funny. I don't remember going back into the house. I'm like, uh-oh. You know, you don't remember going back in the house? No. He says – he said, earlier, I, I ran in the house, and my, my mom and dad weren't there. And I said, what time was it at night? He said, 9 o'clock. I said, well, your parents ought to be in there. Yeah. I ran in the house screaming like, hey, there's a UFO outside, and I can't, you know, and they weren't there. And I said, it might have been, been a whole screen memory. You know, the, the craft can be a screen memory, you know, which is a mask. It's a, a, it's a projection to him, you know, and things of that nature. And he ran back outside, and he just watched this craft, and he said, oh, I just felt elated, you know, and this and that. Again, the feeling of elation. Uh, let me tell you about this one experience. I was working on the railroad, and I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden this energy came over the top of me. And I go, I haven't done drugs like this before. I'm in such an euphoric state. I'm like, oh, my God. It's like – and all of a sudden I got this impression to look up, and I looked up, and there's this craft, a circular craft up along this cloud bank. You know, I'm like, oh. And again, the, the other impression is that I got from that when I was looking up and it says, we just want to let you know that we're here. And I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden I felt the, the dissipation of the energies that came back down. I looked back up and the craft was gone. So that was back in 1977 or 78 time frame. And that was very, one, of the, one of the very, it's my second experience I had. And then my first one was uh, another uh missing time episode of uh that i had but that's again that's an, something i would look at and i said you don't remember going back and to the house he said no and i said okay and i had another move on case where a gal said um she saw these orbs you know multiple orbs floating up the top top of her house and it was like at night and they were just getting done from a, their farm work and they had just rolled in it was getting it was dark and then she was seeing these things and she said oh i need to go grab my camera so she runs over to the gets her ca camera and looks at the clock and comes back and she wanted to take some pictures and she did and she said uh and her husband came over it a little little prior to that time and they were both there and I said, what did you and your husband talk about? And I said, you know what? I really don't remember uh, leaving and like where he he left, but I, I'm there. And then I said, well, what time is it on the on the clock? And then she said five. And then in the picture she had, that there was a different 
different time. You know, it's like two hours difference. I'm like, okay, mm. we're, you know, I've got, I've got time distortion, you know, time missing time, so to speak. And I said, uh, I want you to ask your husband uh, what he remembers of that. And when she did, well, she got a, a lot of resistance and she basically told me, he says, I'm done with this case. I'm done talking with you. And she quit talking to me. So a screen memory is something that you remember that happened after this, we'll just say the weirdness starts. And it's almost like a dream in a way. You it's know, a projection. If I'm, yeah. if I'm laying here in bed and I'm having a dream, what's actually happening is, is my body is laying here in bed, but my mind is having an experience of something right. completely different than laying in bed. Um, so the screen memory is to protect, it's like a dream. And it fills in the missing time for them because there's actually something else going on. Um, Are they being taken up onto the craft? Are they being, you know, probed? Are they being experimented on? What's going on when... All three of those. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, again, here's a dream that I had, and, and I'll start with it, with all this... I had this repetitious dream where I found myself, I went to Iowa State and I found myself on the top floor of this building, the Marsden building. And uh, I felt like I was in a higher educational programming, you know, uh, beyond the BS degree. And I'm like, okay, I'm here in the classroom. It's, and there's really, no, it's just kind of a whiteness about it. And I'm sitting in the back row and this professor comes up and gives me this test and I freak out. I'm like, I don't want to take no dang test right now. So I freak out. Well, this dream continued. I mean, there's repetition. I did it several times. And finally, I'm going, okay, the dreams, evidently, I need to know something, you know, because it's a repetitious dream. Uh, what is it? What, is I, what am I being tested on, you know, and things of that nature. And, and, the, and it's, it's a, at a high level, a high uh, educational level. I said, I don't know what this is. So eventually, I looked at it. I don't know what they're talking about. So I, so I said, next time I have it. I'll ask the professor if I have to take the dream, the test now. Sure enough, I had the test again. And sure enough, the professor walks up. I didn't freak out this time. And I said, do I have to take the test now? And the professor says, no, but you will have to take the test sometime. And I go, oh, okay. And I woke up. So I said, okay, I've got to take the test sometime. So so that's free will whenever I wish to do it, you know, you know, it's like a resistance. And so I, and that's when I, I had gone through Siddha Yoga and all this meditation. I've been in Okinawa. I went through Sai Baba and all the dreams I had with Sai Baba and things of that nature. And I'm coming back. And because when I was in Okinawa, the Japanese liked liked the Hon- King Kong movies and they liked aliens and things like that. And then they would say, oh, let's go to the, you know, let's go to the UFO symposium. I'm like, what does aliens have to do with my spirituality? Nothing, nothing. You know, I said, I'm on a tilt and then after that re- uh, relationship breakup, I i mean, I was ecstatic. I just wanted to sit with the gurus. I just wanted to sit there and meditate. I just wanted to be one with them. I, the, my job and everything was superfluous. It did not have any meaning to me. I just wanted to be graced by the guru and having higher states of consciousness. Sure enough, I go, it's got to be with the aliens. So sure enough, I picked up this book and I read it. And three, you know, a couple, about a day later after I had read the book, Red book. I have a dream where I graduated from the university. Not only did I pass the test, I graduated from the university. So 
that was the start of my take of aliens. And then uh, from that point, then I had another dream, Jason, and that went into I'm I'm looking down into this valley. I'm in this dream. I'm looking down in the valley. I see all these little villages down below. I can see the lights. You know, it's dark. It's nighttime and it's dark. And then I can see the lights from the villages. And from the left, here comes a whole fleet of UFOs flying in. There's circular, circular craft. There's triangular craft. There's motherships. There's scout ships. And they all come flooding in. And they all stop. And this blue beam comes down from the craft and i'm i'm like i'm going look 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 and all of a sudden i see these people being levitated up by the blue beam into the craft boom 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 and i'm like people people look 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 i'm screaming this and guess what a blue beam comes over the top of me and sure enough i get levitated up and i wake up and i'm like is this past present or future well it's all three and as i told you and then all of a sudden the next thing i do what I have is these blue beam experiences. So this dream was foretelling me of the abductions that I was having and all the other people are having. And so that from the dream of the professor to the graduation, to the dreams of the craft, I'm seeing the blue beams, you know, and then the blue beam coming down over me and now to the actual physical experiences of the blue beam within the bedrooms. Wow. Yeah. You know, so, Fred, this is more uh, common than what most people realize. Um, people are having these experiences a, sure. of the in the university setting. And when I say university, it's like the universe is creating an environment for people to come together in a sort of dream right. slash astral experience. And then they they learn things. Most of it they don't remember when they wake up, but they know that there was something really deep and profound, these right. esoteric, you know, taking them into the mysteries. And then they start having these other experiences like what you described, where right. they they wake up with entities in the room with them. They have dreams that mix um, it, it, there's a physical experience of the dream. Like sometimes people are missing from their beds, you right. know, like, Hey, I, I went upstairs. I went to sleep. I went to bed. I had this dream that I was in this other place and someone came into the room and said, well, you weren't in the bed at the time. So where were you? But then there's other people who are, they are physically asleep, but they could swear that their consciousness was sure. in some other location. What is your take on that, Fred? Are we trying, people People will want answers to, well, was it a physical experience? Was it a metaphysical experience? Was it a spiritual experience? You put it into a box for me. But are you finding that those definitions don't fit? Or are you finding that you can actually classify and categorize these experiences and come up with evidence that says like you know some kind of physical evidence that this is really happening to these people and to yourself well, well the thing is we have to kind of realize that we live in a multi-dimensional reality and the quantum reality is a part of the physical reality and we're just becoming aware of it we're in such denial of this construct jason that we don't look at our dreams, and we've always been told as children, oh, they're just a dream. There's nothing to worry about. Just forget about it, you know? And this is the, you know, this is the really, the missing point is that we really need as a child, and I, I kind of see that, you know, we should be brought up with, a, with this in tow, that 
we should be uh, taught that we do live in a different reality and these other multi-dimensional realities do exist and they were very very real that's the problem is that is that most people freak out they've watched too many horror movies and things and they, and they just they just like repress 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 and and if something needs to come forward the subconscious will you know your higher self will will try to mitigate and, and put in things and that's where the screen memories come in you know it it even works with the idea of past lives and future lives and premonitions and things of that nature. Um, this is very, very real, you know, and we have to just learn, uh, uh, kind of grow spiritually in the sense that there's more to life than just physical reality. Wow, Fred has a heck of a story to tell. And unfortunately, the end of the interview got really hackneyed. The audio started dropping out. Who knows, maybe the um, you know, the the aliens were running some kind of interference. <laughs> but we got at the end there, Fred was going into some of his experiences of his dreams that he said were more real than real times that he woke up in his bedroom and things looked like the normal world that he knows the bedroom that he's sleeps in and then he looks around and he realizes that something is off and it's he realizes he's still dreaming we wanted to talk a little bit more about that and then since we don't have the rest of the interview with fred i wanted to get into with steve his experience now we teached you at the beginning of this steve has had dreams that he considered to be something well you won't call it visitation but they definitely have two elements that we've talked about in this interview one is the dreams that are more real than real and second well aliens so steve we teased the audience that you've had dreams like this <laughs> Yeah, man. Oh, now I got to come up with the goods. Now you get. Now it's time to deliver the goods. There are people, many people, who are having these dreams. For one, you can look back in the history books. People have been visited by things in their sleep that were so real. Back in the day, they used to say it was like witches and demons and succubi and incubus and things like this. There was a whole folklore surrounding. The idea that you could be visited by things in your sleep and they used to interpret it as spiritual sometimes demonic sometimes angelic and then we get into modern times when the sort of the mythology of aliens and ufos really penetrated into the culture and you started seeing a lot more people reporting those types of experiences mm. now 
what did you experience? So it was like a really mixed bag, like right after my big spiritual awakening happened, uh, which would have been like the very end of 2008 going into 2009. So from like 2009 to like 2011, I had, I mean, that was pretty much the, the heyday of like my spiritual honeymoon phase and had really hardcore dreams, just like for a couple of years, they were just way heightened and, uh, I mean, super spiritual. They're like, I don't know how to explain it other than the fact that I was in like this very honeymoon phase where like my eyes were just like starry and wide and, um, yeah, I don't know. So I had a slew of dreams. I just, I was able to find like f at least a good four of them that were like hardcore, like alien dreams where I, I met aliens. There was craft, there was all kinds of like weird information about like the next leap on human evolution. Like there was like a lot of like, <clears throat> Yeah, there was a lot of like very interesting little pieces to it that, you know, who knows if if these were real encounters, they felt very real, like a little bit different than most of my like regular dreams would would feel in, in intensity and in vividness. And I don't know if that's just because aliens have always been kind of terrifying to me that maybe it heightened the vividness of those dreams. Uh Sometimes I wonder if they were merely psychological and I was just being confronted with shadow material that uh, it was like me integrating shadow uh, because I'll tell you a couple of them and you'll see like there's there's like a way that I like connect with them in a way that possibly might be like some kind of shadow integration. Um, or it's, I got fucking visited by aliens. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about it. Like at, in those days, like I was like hardcore, not that I thought I was visited, but I was like really interested in extraterrestrials. Like a lot of like new age bros who like wake up. Um, I kind of cringe thinking about some of that shit now back in the day after like this was before like I had my plunge into the shadow and I got called on so much of that new agey stuff that <laughs> when I look back at some of these journals, it's like, Oh, the new earth is coming. And like, I really cringe about that kind of stuff now. Like I just, the other day on Instagram, I found out that there, there's like a whole new army of, of people out there that are like really into 5d earth and like ascension and all that stuff. And I thought like nobody cared about ascension anymore. I thought that was like after 2012, like everyone was just like, Oh, I guess that's not going to happen. <laughs> or at least like the way everybody was hyping it up. I don't know if you remember that when 2012 was ramping up. Everyone thought that was going to be the big ascension day. Oh dude, I was there for 2012. I was there for Y2K. Yeah, dude. You know, and there's some people who would say that there will always be a new generation of suckers who get pulled into, <laughs> you know, get pulled into these ideas. Um, 
what I've noticed is, is that this does seem to be um, kind of like when you're wearing your diapers in your spiritual journey and you've just woken up, you know, the, what engages you in your dreams is definitely real. Now, beyond that, it's hard to say, you know, is there some foreign intelligence that's, you know, entering into your life so that you can ascend to the 5D, you know, version of consciousness and reality? Um, or is this just something that's sort of a bump on the road that a lot of people experience in their spiritual journey? Um, you Can you give us some enlightenment from your end on that? Um, well, like, so a lot of that, like, was really lifting me up so that I would uh, fly so high that when I fell, I would fall so hard that I had to look at my shadow. Um, for like three years leading up, because my shadow journey actually started on the winter solstice of 2012. And I had so many dreams for like three years leading up to that date, which everybody was looking at, like, that's the date of all days. Um, I kept having these dreams that were like, oh, the shift is going to happen. The shift is going to happen. And I'm like, oh, my God, this shift is fucking going to happen. Like, my dreams are telling me it's going to happen. So it's totally going to happen. Um, and I had so many, like I said, like so many, like really heightened, really intense dreams within those couple of years. And uh, they like they truly made me spiral and get such a big head that I was like really enlightened and I was going to be one of the motherfuckers that goes to the new earth. Um, like it, that's why it makes me cringe so hard because the, the height of it was so high. And then the fall was so damn fucking far that like, <laughs> Oh man. <clears throat> so so the shift did happen because the shift was really what it was what it was forecasting was my plunge into the underworld and into not just shadow work but like a full-on shadow journey like my trek through the underworld um and so the shift did happen and part of like the way it happened was I had to get pissed off and and the thing that broke my heart about it at first when it first happened was <clears throat> was that I felt like I couldn't trust my dreams. I'm like, why did you big me up for three years to drop me on my ass and have nothing happen? Um, and it wasn't until like I realized what did happen and realized all of the puke that was coming out of my soul was like me really having to take accountability for the fact that I thought I was so enlightened and I thought I was so far past all of my issues and was like, nah, bro, they're still here. They are so still here for you, and you have to face them now. That I was like, well, you knew exactly what I needed. I, I didn't think that I needed this this fall from grace, but I needed it so badly. Um, but that betrayal, that feeling betrayed by my dreams, um, was really brutal. It was. I had. It took me like a whole week of wrestling with that betrayal before I actually realized what was actually happening and realized <laughs> how, how mad I was, was like, maybe you need to look at that. Maybe you need to look at why are you mad? 
Um, and it wasn't until then that I broke and I realized, damn, dude, I, I've been so clouded. I, I have been thinking my shit doesn't stink for a few years now. And I'm like, damn, dude. Uh, so my whole feeling on 5D Earth and all that kind of stuff now is like, I, I see so much of myself in so many of those people that I'm like, Man, I really hope that you have your fall from grace because if you don't, I got I just have a really bad feeling you're going to have a fucking massive psychosis, dude. Like if if you if your ego doesn't shatter at some point here, like you're going to be one of these unfortunate new age guys or girls that I've seen that just completely spiral off the deep end. Um so, I don't know. Yeah, and they I, start having I, their I do own. believe that there is a, a a shift happening in this world. I absolutely do believe that. I I I think it's a lot slower than people think. Like some of these channeled messages you you hear um, on YouTube from these new age people talking about this, uh, they're like, oh, I think like fifty five percent of the collective is now on board with love and light, and I'm like, bro, that is absolutely not true. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much weed you've been smoking, but that's not what I see in the world. It, it's slower uh, than that. And I feel like we are heading towards a huge rite of passage on this planet. Like it's so clear with all of the environmental chaos going on with just the political mess we're in, just, uh, social distress that we're in. Like there is a serious rite of passage that this earth is, is, is facing right now. And I totally believe that, but I don't think... I don't think anything from outside of us is going to save ourselves. So whatever this rite of passage is and, and what people really need to understand about rite of passage is there's no, there's no definite that you're going to survive it. Like for it to be a true rite of passage, there's no guarantee that humanity is going to survive this. Um, and that's, I feel like that's why so much of our spiritual warriors are being called to service right now. Like, like, we have to be we have to be like doing our work like right now because if we're if we're not going to do the work to come together as a race like we're going to die famine's going to hit nuclear holocaust is going to hit whatever the hell is going to happen um and not everyone's going to make it <laughs> it sucks but I, I i don't know i uh yeah i don't know so if that's the new earth, I, I don't think like it's going to be this like spiritually harmonious like thing that we're all bestowed this beautiful like new harmonic. I think like we're going to have some really hard rebuilding to do and hopefully the people who are here to rebuild it um, have some sense. <laughs> that's so dark, dude. Um, but I think it's more grounded than thinking that all of a sudden we're going to ascend into some magical world that like all of our problems are going to be handled. I, I don't know. I, that seems like way too, way too optimistic. I don't know, but I would call myself more of a shadow worker than a, a love and light worker these days. So my perspective is, is definitely much more sober. Um, so I hope I didn't just bum everybody out, but that's kind of my piece on it. 
<laughs> so back yeah, to man. aliens. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. oh man. So, uh, so do you want to hear this one really interesting dream that I think uh, if I had an encounter, could possibly be this one. I don't know. Let's hear it. Um, so just to paraphrase it, it's a super long dream, but, um, essentially I'm with this guy named Ernesto that I used to work with in New York city. We're in like a park and all of a sudden these like weird colors start streaming through the sky. It almost looks like there's meteorites that are like, uh, breaking up and like passing through the atmosphere, but it's like creating these streaks of color and it's like at once like insanely beautiful um and at the same time like terrifying because i'm like what the heck is that um and and this is the part where it's like okay well it was this like lucid intention this this sight in the sky kind of makes me lucid i'm not aware that i'm dreaming but i have like full conscious faculty right now in the dream and because there's things coming out of the sky, like my first thought is like, oh shit, is this aliens? And like, just like that, snap of a finger, like a, a ship is now landing in front of me. Um, and it's so intense and I, I begin to flee, but I, I decide that I'm going to just stand my ground. And uh, I force myself to stay and face my fear that I have surrounding it. And the ship lands and almost immediately it morphs into like some kind of weird car that can drive. And I'm hiding behind this tree, just like peeking around it, looking at it, wanting to make sure that whoever's in this spaceship is cool <laughs> before I'm just like, Hey, what's up guys? Um, and I think I even like hold my hand out at one point to kind of try to feel the energy and I don't feel anything bad from it. And like within a second, I'm like in the spaceship now. And um, yeah, so I'll just read this part. Um, since this is so long ago and I'm not remembering it perfectly. Uh, but it says, without a moment's notice, I found myself in the spaceship sitting directly to the right of one of the ETs. They seem to have a similar bodily form, except no clear defining features. They did have eyes, but that's pretty much all I can remember about them. I can't, or I kept trying to ask them where they were from, but they didn't respond, nor did they seem to even acknowledge that I was trying to communicate with them. But all of a sudden, one of them who was sitting next to me lifted one of their hands into the air in a gesture that I would do the same. And I did, and I touched his hand, or her hand, or just its hand, and it felt almost similar to gel. Like it was like almost energy, but it was still plasma-y kind of. It was a really weird sensation. And when our hands met, there was this illumination that occurred around our hands as if some kind of like energetic connection was established. And there was like a telepathic com communication also. I could feel the alien's feelings um, I could feel his love and it was understood that they could feel my love, vice versa. 
there was no actual exchange of thoughts, at least on my end. Like I couldn't hear anything that maybe they were thinking. Um, I had a lot of thoughts occurring in that moment. So I don't know if they were receiving any of my thoughts, but uh, all I could, all I was receiving was like these really beautiful feelings of love and acceptance. And they dropped us off at this place that we were probably originally heading to in the dream. And uh, a woman that I worked with was there waiting for us. And she was pissed off that we were late. And I'm like, do you not notice that we're like being rolled up here in a spaceship? (laughs) But that was, that was pretty much that dream. Uh, I did have another dream where I was in my house, my, my kind of family home where I spent most of my teenage life. And we just felt this presence of a ship over the house. It just like felt like something was all of a sudden there. And we looked outside and it was hovering right across the street. And I got terrified and I went to run to make sure the doors were locked. And by the time I could get to one of the doors, one of the aliens was coming in and they kind of looked like the grays that are typical. Um, And I turned around to run and I grabbed Erica and we ran upstairs and there were grays in that room and we're like, fuck, oh shit. And as a last ditch effort to try to protect us, I did like these weird Reiki symbols and was just like, we are here in peace. Please don't hurt us kind of thing. Like nothing, no weird vibes here. Don't hurt us. (laughs) And like the scene shifts and we're all just kind of hanging out talking and it felt like we were like long lost brothers and sisters. Um, and this was the dream where like I asked them what they were doing here and they pointed at something and I can't remember exactly what it was. And in the, in my notes, I, I state that I don't really know what exactly they pointed out. It was kind of one of those things where you woke up and you're like, what the heck was that? I can't even, I don't even know how to explain that. Um, but yeah, it seemed like it was it was suggesting that um, they were doing like checks on how hu- how humanity was progressing or something. Uh, so yeah, that that is another one where I'm just like, okay, well, is that an encounter? It kind of sounds very similar to some of the stuff that Fred was saying. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, it doesn't. Maybe it felt more intense at the time, but like now being over a decade removed from that dream, like I don't know if I can honestly say that I feel too intensely that that was a visitation, but I don't know. Well, it has all the it does, you know, yeah, the, the hallmarks. <laughs> <laughs> it when really you, does. Yeah. And they were hyper the, vivid. They were very vivid, very almost lucid dreams. Um the, the the craft comes, you have a sense of connection with the uh beings. Um sometimes you're taken away to another place. Sometimes they just kind of come into your crib, you know, and uh, it's like, "Yeah, hey, we're here. Now you're going to deal with us." Um there's a sense of um looking out for humanity, uh, trying to teach it something that's going to um, advance their consciousness. Uh, So, you know, Steve, this gets into a whole 
what you've experienced is similar to what a lot of people have reported. Some of those people say that it happened during a dream. There's others who say that it's happened during astral experiences. They kind of float. They can look down, see their body on the bed. They realize that they're asleep, but that now their mind is fully awake and their perception of the world is separate from their body. So they're in astral uh, and they're moving around. And then sometimes they see the aliens already there in the bedroom. Sometimes they know that the ship is outside and they can just kind of float up to it. Sometimes they're caught up in kind of like a tractor beam. But what I'm finding is, is that this has become, there's almost a, a lore, like I want to say a mythology, but it would be abusing the word what mythology really is, but a lore behind it. Like there are so many people who are reporting similar experiences. Now we say on the one hand, Dreams can be incredibly vivid and they can seem like what you're experiencing in the dream is entirely real, but then you wake up and you realize that it was a dream and you start to question, well, where is the line between what a dream is and what physical reality is? And we look for these lines, but are they really there? I mean, Carl Jung with Wolfgang Pauli, the physicist, they came to the conclusion that psyche in the physical world, so the world of the mind and the world of physical matter, arise from the same source. Uh, Pauli, who won a Nobel Prize in physics, talked about it as a dual aspect monad. Monad is like the source of all creation. It has a dual aspect to it. One side of it is the mind. One side of it is matter. There are two expressions of the same underlying source. So when we go looking for these distinctions between what happens in the mind, including what happens in dreams, and what is quote-unquote real, because you can touch it and feel it in physical reality, well, maybe these distinctions were trying too hard to make them. But if you listen to what Fred said, he heard the aliens in his home. He experienced them as something that was there when he was awake. Hmm. There are other people who've said the same thing. Uh, Chris Bledsoe uh, is, he has a book out that is, talks about his experiences that began with these orbs that came to him while he was out fishing with some friends and a son. And just one day, there's the orbs, hello, and his life changed. It was like 2007. And he's just, I just saw his interview recently. His book came out. He's been doing interviews 2023. And this thing has continued to happen. And these orbs are recorded on camera. He's got thousands of videos of them. He says that he's had experiences of beings, beings coming out of the orbs, and they would describe, some people might describe them as aliens, some people might describe them as angels, mm -hmm. some people might describe them as demons. I mean, that's 
there are people who this, it seems to be that the point of it is for you to define your reality for yourself. What is it that you've experienced? Do you need to define it? That does tend to be the, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to define what, what it is. What, what, it, what did I really experience? What did you, Steve, what did you really experience? Is this yeah. an awakening? Is this parts of your consciousness that are so foreign to your understanding of yourself at the time? As you know, the this is here, Steve Erdenwine, back in 2012, who has had this amazing awakening experience, gotten deep into his spirituality. His dreams seem to be confirming it for him, but they're creating what? They're creating a narrative, maybe that's showing you that there are these aspects of your own consciousness that are coming online. That the best way that you could kind of explain what was happening to you is it was like you were being visited. Does that make it any less real? If you find out, if Steve, if you found out, like let's say Dr. Carl Jung, who wrote the book on UFOs, um, <clears throat> Modern Myth for Our Time, where he argues um, that the ufo phenomenon as it was he was writing this in the 1950s was as this stuff was really starting to penetrate into the culture and he's seeing a very deep psychological aspect to it hmm. now if dr jung could come here and he could say one way or another that what you experienced was entirely psychological or maybe that there was more to it like let's say that he says to you that, Steve, that was you coming in contact with alien aspects of your own consciousness that you were bringing online because of the work that you were doing, the spiritual work that you were doing, the meditation and the dream work and all that. What would, how would you feel about it? The world's leading expert on the subject, the psychology of aliens and UFOs, comes to you. He listens to your story, gets all of your back history, and in a very intimate and personal way, he says, it was all a product of your own mind. There are no aliens <laughs> that came and visited you. This is you. This is your mind. This is you coming to grips with yourself. How does how do you feel? It's interesting because uh, coming into this conversation, I would have said, "Yeah, that would feel that feels about right." Um, but asking me point blank right now, like part of me is feeling like that's kind of empty, which is actually kind of surprising me right now. Um, is it empty in the sense that you want to believe, like you know, the old X Files moniker? You know, yeah, it kind of like, yeah, I don't know, like being, being posed that question point blank, like the first gut feeling that I had was that, yeah, that's probably mostly true, but it kind of robs me a little bit of the mystery of it. Yeah. Um, 
Because as much as like, as much as I don't know if I truly believe those are visitation dreams, um, like I do believe there are aliens. Like I, I do believe that there is other life in this galaxy, in this universe. I, like there's no part of me that believes that we could possibly be really alone. Like, um, and so, yeah. And I don't know. I if I if I could add to <laughs> some of what was fueling these dreams, I, I read this book by Dolores Cannon, who was uh, she was like a hypnotherapist who would do like real deep like uh, what's the what's the term for like if you can get hypnotized like really deeply? It's like I think it starts with an S. It's like some... uh, she called it. Her system was called quantum healing yes. hypnosis. She um, like worked with somulus or whatever that whatever som, that yeah somulism yeah uh, whatever that term is, uh, and I I read one of her books and reading it stirred up some really like weird and very uncomfortable feelings in me and it was almost like weirdly triggering for some reason. I don't know if it was just like my fears <laughs> or if it was like, like it almost felt like a feeling of like, Oh fuck, at least this might've like actually happened to me before. Um, so these are people who are under hypnosis describing things like alien visitation. Yeah. Maybe past lives with themes of things that are really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Dolores said that she talked with uh, Nostradamus uh, through his black mirror that he used to see into the future. Uh, Dolores said that she had an entire dialogue with him across time and obviously across space, too, since he would have been in Paris, I think, at the time. And you read this and you go, are you kidding me? I mean, there's a part of me that says that, <laughs> yeah. but then there's another part of me that says, well, what if it was, I mean, what if there's something about this, this that's real, you know, people well, describe I, these I things. Can, something I can add that, uh, ties into what Fred was talking about, um, was I did have like, there was one moment in my life in college that I feel like I lost some time. And I, I don't remember this night clearly enough to know for sure if I actually did. Um, me and a couple of my buddies, we went to this party that was like, it was probably close to almost an hour away from the college we were at. Somebody knew somebody who was throwing a party and we went all the way out there and we didn't even stay that long because it was kind of dumb. And we were like, why did we come all the way out here for this? Uh, but on the way there, I remember seeing this huge flash of light. There was like this, it was almost like a shooting star happened, but it was so bright that like, I've really had a hard time understanding what it could have possibly been. And it like, it had like a gut punch kind of feeling that came along with seeing it. And I was like, hey, did you guys like see that? And I don't remember if anyone any of them actually saw it or not, but on our way home from the party, which should have only been like a 45 minute drive. I think I, I have this vague memory of like being like, 
why did that just take us like two hours to get home? And everybody in the car was sleeping because it was late. And I remember I just have this memory of like scratching my head when I got home. Like, how come it, how come it seems like it took us like two hours or so to get home? And I, I think when I was reread, when I was reading that book by her, I think that's kind of like where the gut punch came from, where it was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> I've never heard about this with ETs, but I, I feel like I've had a moment in my life where I like lost some time and had a weird, like that flash of light. Like, it, yeah, it was weird. It was probably one of the more spooky, weird occurrences that have happened to me. And I don't, I don't so know if that is an ET you're awake, your eyes are open, and you have the, you know, you, you have something that happens that's definitely outside the normal physical things that happen, you know, that are supposed to happen. But you're there, you see it, and it kind of puts you into a fugue state, it sounds like. And you start feeling like time is passing in a way that's not normal. Maybe there's even parts of time that are missing, which... You hear this from even going all the way back to the beginning with Benny, um, uh, Barney and um, Betty Hill. You know, they reported their abduction experience. What were they doing? They were out driving on some road, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, then they, um, they have their alien encounter. And by the time they get home, the drive that was supposed to take X amount of hours took a lot longer than that. They don't remember what happened, hmm. but their clothes are torn. Oh, There's shit. scratches on their body, you know, and then they go under hypnosis. And I, uh, I, I think it was um, Barney first who described being able to remember what happened when they were driving down the road. Like there's something like a big flash of light. There's a craft that's now hovering over top of the car. They pull over to the side of the road and start running away from the car, that kind of thing. Damn. And then, you know, I don't know the story exactly. Um, but what you're, this is what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is this dude, you're not the only one to have experienced this, you know, like, there are a lot of other people now who've said that they've experienced something similar to that. You know, I even had my own, you know, parents, my, my mom told me that we were driving back from a place of in the mountains outside of Los Angeles when I was a really young kid and we lived out there in the seventies. And she said they were on this mountain road and they, it was kind of circling up and around the mountain and they every time they would come around this corner, they saw this massive orange glowing ball in the sky. Weird. And they would see it for a while because the road was taking them basically right at the ball. And then the road would kind of curve around the mountain some more. And then the view would open up again and they would be closer to the thing. <laughs> and they're like, it's it's three o'clock in the morning. The moon is on the other side of the sky. It's not the moon. It's not the sun. It's not a reflection off the ocean. It's a massive, like mile wide, orange glowing ball that 
looks close enough that you could reach out the windshield and touch it. Wow. You know? And so when it comes from your own parents and, you know, like they both were, I, I was apparently asleep in the car and they, you know, and they say that this actually happened to them and they're like, well, you know, wow. they experienced something. What I'm starting to wonder is whether or not these things are manifestations of our own ability to be able to. You were asleep, you were dreaming and they were beaming you into the ship, bro. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know, Jung said that the dreaming function of the mind runs all the time. And that it's in the background when we're awake, we go to sleep and the dreaming function comes forward because the senses turn off and now you can give your full attention to what was going on in the background. And the background is the unconscious. It's always there. So that ability for the dreaming mind, for the mind to be able to create imagery that is so real, it's, 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 it's dream. It's so it's like the most real dream but you're awake and your eyes are open. He, he said that it, it's more likely to happen when people are sleep deprived um, or when there's a lot of unconscious content that's trying to push its way forward. Hmm. So in other words, people having a spiritual awakening experience, you know, like the, the boundaries come down and now all of this stuff that was, it was always there. It was in the background. It's now starting to come forward in your mind has to be able to process it. And what happens, like you described in your dream experience, that when you confronted the fear of seeing that ship, then everything shifted at yeah. that point. So this is very typical of the way that dreams work, is the imagery in the scene will respond to you on the fly. If you are afraid of the monster, the monster gets bigger and badder and you turn and run from it and the monster chases you. You turn around and you go, I'm not afraid of you anymore. And the monster morphs. It could, it could stop and stick its thumb in its mouth. It could try to get scarier to see whether or not you really have overcome your or fear like of Fred, it. it kills you. <laughs> or like Fred, it kills you. Oh, yeah. I died when I when I when I heard that. I was like, oh damn, dude, uh, that's that's different. I've, you don't always yeah, hear that that either. one when uh, people talk about turning around and facing nightmares and lucid dreams. Oh man! So it's the ability of the dreaming mind to be able to respond on the fly and create a completely believable experience. Except what happens with some people is, is that their eyes are open at the time. And there's another aspect of this that I think gets even maybe a little wilder and more speculative. But if we go back to that idea that the mind and physical matter are dual manifestations from the same substrate, the same source is creating mind and it's creating matter as dual aspects of the same thing. What's not to say that the mind can't create things in our physical reality. 
they could manifest the UFO in the sky. And you look up and you see the thing. It's there. The stars are blocked behind it. It is a physical object that's in the sky, or at least it's so an illusion that is so apparent, like so believable that you can't separate what is, you know, real. And I'll put that in air quotes. What is real from what is not. What's to say that people couldn't actually manifest real physical objects or things that are more energetic in nature? So it makes me wonder whether or not we're not manifesting these aliens, that it's us. It's not creatures coming from Pleiades. I mean, why would they fly across interstellar space anyway just to come to our planet and what? Do some sightseeing? You know? The, do, to show up in do your some dreams, butt probing. do some butt probings, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe kill a few cows while they're at it, you know, and, you know, the, the stuff is too weird. What's so special about humans that these alien intelligences would be coming to us, whether it's interdimensionally or it's across interstellar space or wherever they're getting here, they're engaging with people. For what? To advance their consciousness? To make them question what reality is? I was going to say, if they're coming here to heighten their consciousness, that was a bad move. Then that was a bad move, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there's a reason why they crash, because they're not quite as bright as we want to make them out to be. Oh, man. Yeah, I think about that, too. I think I saw a meme one time that was like, can you imagine being in a spacecraft and traveling all the way across the galaxy just to crash land into earth. <laughs> and it apparently it happens over and over again. Yeah. Right. A, a lot of people don't know that there's been actual Senate and con- congressional hearings with witnesses who've said that there are crash retrieval programs. There are people who have named it's called the office of global access at the CIA. There's people who've named it. Wow. The, this, is the, or this is the organization that's running the show, and they retrieve these craft that, for some reason, travel across vast distances of space and time just to crash on our planet. And then they get pulled into these black budget programs and reverse engineered. There are dozens of witnesses who've given sworn testimony They've been investigated by the inspector generals of the intelligence services in the Pentagon. These are the highest level lawyers in our government. The whistleblowers are being represented by the IGs. And so when when people say that this stuff isn't real and there's no evidence for it, I'm like, have you been asleep for the last, I mean, since 2017 when the big New York Times story came out? Well, that's like uh, that. What was that? A Senate hearing that they just had recently, where the, a bunch of whistleblowers came. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like I think it's so funny that like we all have so much shit going on right now in our lives that like that finally happened, and like everybody was like, "Yeah, don't got time for that." Like yawn, yawn. Yeah, 
<laughs> most people, most we've people already, don't yeah, we've already pretty much come to the conclusion that there's aliens already. Uh, this is kind of boring, and we got a lot of other stuff we're we got a lot of other right stuff now. going on. Yeah. <laughs> so what it does is it brings up this dichotomy. On the one hand, there is so much evidence that this is actually happening that to say it's not happening is denying mountains of uh, of of evidence, testimony, mm-hmm. sworn testimony given to Congress uh, by intelligence officials who come forward saying, I was read into the program, I and I know that this, I saw the documented evidence of it, I know that it's real. There's this dual aspect to this phenomenon. On the one hand, it appears that there is an actual physical reality to it. There's craft that have been picked up by multiple sensors, seen by the most credible witnesses, picked up on radar, video recorded. You have people like Chris Bledsoe, who's got thousands of videos of these orbs that come to his farm out in North Carolina. And it's been happening for the last 15 years. And it healed him of his Crohn's disease. I mean, documented medical stuff. There's actual physical evidence for those things, for these things. But on the other hand, a lot of it is very dreamlike. That's the thing that I've noticed that makes me really curious. Let me ask you this. Have you had a dream about aliens? Not exactly. But as you were describing your experience leading up to 2012, it was reminding me of my experience leading up to the year 2000. Now, back then, it was the whole Y2K, which for people who were, I mean, God, that was more than 20 years ago. There was this whole talk that there was going to be, it was sort of like 2012. There's going to be this mass awakening. People are going to be, you know, uh, dancing in the fields with their (laughs) spirit guide. And I was part of a group of people who were into this whole, you know, transcendent spiritual awakening society is going to change in a flash i started picking up on this and i was going through my own spiritual awakening at the time and i was having dreams where i was waking up from experiences where i what what the yeah was that you know the deeply you know waking up just shaking down to my bones being affected so powerfully now do i look back at my journals and do i see anything that says that you know aliens were in my bedroom ufos were in the sky no no but i did have other things visit me in my dreams that you might call angelic spiritual beings of light a presence Oh, God, dude, how many times did the voice come? You know, it doesn't manifest as anything in the dream that I can see, but it is a presence that I can feel. Mm. And it is aware of me. It has come into my dreams for the specific purpose of engaging me. And dude, I went off on a spiritual trip and I had that head, you know, that big blow up. 
the spiritual ego. So it became really freaking hard to tell what was ordinary reality and what was not because it was all blending together. And I had that also, like you, there came a point when it all, the bottom just dropped out. Mm. And boy, the shadow was waiting. The <laughs> underworld, man. I mean, it was waiting. Oh, yeah. I spent a, I spent a long, long time down in that space. And, you know, it reminds me of something that Jung said. He said that that's the reality. The underworld mm -hmm. is really where the real work is done. You can envision beings of light and, you know, happy 5D universe enlightenment type stuff. He's like, that stuff, that doesn't get people anywhere. Yeah. That doesn't really change them at a deep interior level. He said that you have to go down within yourself and confront the darkness within yourself. And that's what leads to enlightenment. Yeah. So when you say that you're now, you went through that experience and the shadow was waiting for you and then you engaged with the shadow and now here you are, you got two kids, you know, you've had this, you know, the, the, all the responsibilities that come with it and the job to be able to support the family. And you've been through these experiences and you've grown up and you look back at that version of you from, you know, 11, 12 years ago. And you cringe as you should, <laughs> you know, but you can also see that there's something about you that the person that you are now, you had to have that experience. Oh, yeah. And if you wouldn't have had it, what, where would you be? <clears throat> I would probably still be pretty, um, yeah, I don't know. I think. I give so much gratitude for how for how high it built me up and how damn far I fell and how crazy the underworld swallowed me. It was like the earth opened up and just <laughs> swallowed me whole. Um, I mean, I'm so much more grounded now. I'm so much more like it just brought me back to reality and my my spiritual life is so much more grounded now and it's so much more like healthy in that way where it feels rooted in something real it feels rooted in something really human um i guess you could say i'm more tailored towards like the shamanic way of life now versus wanting to escape the earth wanting to flee to the new earth wanting to escape into love and light I, I'm just like all of that escape that, to me it's escapism it's it's not wanting to be here in true reality it's it's wanting to to skirt it and yeah I would say that I'm clean eyes feet firmly planted on the ground and yet still have a really deeply beautiful spiritual life
So Steve and I finished recording our conversation about Brett's interview and the subject of this episode. And it was late at night and I was too jazzed up to go right to sleep. I checked YouTube for something to listen to as my brain unwound. And you'll never guess what popped up. An interview with Matthew Roberts on the New Thinking Aloud channel. Matthew is featured in the Encounters documentary on Netflix. He's a former naval intelligence officer and one of the first people to see the gimbal footage, a now famous video clip of a harrowing encounter between Navy F-18 fighters and what are presumed to be extraterrestrial craft, nicknamed Tic Tacs because they're oblong and white. But unlike the candy, these things fly circles around the military's best jets and seem to enjoy the game of cat and mouse they've been playing since at least 2004, the earliest date that's been confirmed for when the almost daily encounters began between the Navy and these high-tech craft. The gimbal incident deeply affected some of the military personnel involved, including Matthew. From his secure pod on the USS Theodore Roosevelt aircraft carrier, he viewed the footage over and over again, which he had access to because of his security clearance. And soon after, the phenomenon followed him home, turning his life upside down. Well, I guess I wasn't going to sleep anytime soon. I played the interview with Matthew, and it really caught my attention when he said the following. The first event that happened, I had a, uh, an entity in my room. Uh, one night I woke up cause something grabbed my arm and, and I could, I woke up, I thought, well, I hope my room is going blurry for some reason. So I went to try to raise my hands to my face and kind of wipe the sleep out of my eyes. And I couldn't move. I realized I could not move and that I woke up because someone was grabbing my arm. So I, you know, fought to kind of turn my head to the right to see who was standing there. And I just saw this shadow of uh, a torso, two arms and a head kind of bending over, looking at me. And as I'm looking at this, uh, the behind this shadow figure, uh, there was this golden light just started to light up my room. And then it came became very bright golden light and the light concentrated into rays of light coming out of its head. And I thought to myself, what is going on? You know, this was just, you don't expect to wake up in the middle of the night and see something like that. Um, and then, you know, uh, after that, I, I kind of, lost consciousness and fell asleep and then there was a sexual experience and i could see that this female who was there had blue skin uh it was i my hands were on her thighs and i could feel her skin and it was not like normal human skin it was much thicker uh than than human skin would be um and then I woke up the next morning and I was just, I felt like I wanted to throw up. You know, I was, I was like, what, what was that? Now notice he wakes up in sleep paralysis and there's some sort of entity in his room. That sounds familiar. Many people report similar instances, especially during sleep paralysis episodes. Reports pop up frequently at r slash dreams at Reddit 
and for centuries, people have reported that they too woke up to find themselves paralyzed and in the presence of something that seemed at first to be sinister. Sometimes it's just a voice or a feeling of something in the room, and other times people see actual entities or beings. Now, back in the day, people were more likely to interpret these sorts of experiences in religious terms. The entities were demons or angels or witches. The mythology of the succubi and incubi, demons with a sexual appetite for humans, is said to originate from what we now call sleep paralysis episodes. The flavor they take on depends in large part on the mythology and folklore of one's culture. And that's what you'd expect, because the dreaming mind draws from one's background, from your memories, to create dream imagery. It's why, for example, modern reports of dreams about witches are full of imagery from movies like The Ring and The Grudge. On the masculine end, we have scary figures like Slenderman and Hatman. But if you review hundreds of such reports, as I have, more often than not, you find that the entities take on an alien or ET flavor. The gray aliens are the most common. And again, it should come as no surprise, because it's by far the most popular imagery for aliens in Western culture. Matthew saw a shadow figure that he says touched his arm and woke him, and later he found himself in a sexual encounter with a blue-skinned female. Look up depictions of the Hindu goddess Kali, if you're not already familiar with her, and keep in mind the spiritual tone of his encounter. As his experiences continued, they headed in that direction. But first, he tells of the synchronicity that seemed to foretell what was to come. Before I had this experience with this blue being in my room, I came across this book in a very um, terrifying uh, and paranormal way. And it was a book called The Kabbalion. And, and when I first read it one night, uh, I or, or read the synopsis of the book online. I thought, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not reading that. That's that just that is out there. Um, forget about it. You know. Yeah. Uh, but it was the next day that I had this set of just terrifying coincidences that just lined up, and it was very obvious to me that the whole day was a construction just for me. You know, and and that to me did not fit my worldview, right? Well, so the recurring it, line, right? Is there a recurring line in the Kabbalion about there there are no coincidences, something along those yes, lines? Yes, exactly. And and that was how the day wrapped up. I ended up walking past this woman at a gas station uh, around midnight on a Thursday night near the freeway. She's dressed to the nines, sitting with a homeless man. Right. And I knew that this was out of place. This shouldn't be happening. There's no way a woman who's dressed like the women I work with who are about to go brief Congress is sitting here near the freeway at a gas station with a homeless man eating, you know, at midnight. Yeah. Uh, so I'm walking past them and then and, and this total set of just impossible coincidences that led me to this gas station in the middle of the night. And this woman points at the homeless man and she says, you see, there's no such thing as coincidence. Everything happens for a reason. 
after an experience as blatantly reality-bending as that, Matthew knew something was up. Synchronicities are a sign. Something's brewing behind the scenes. They can be harbingers. Big changes are happening or soon to happen in the person's life. Many guests on this show have said the same. Remember that when these experiences started for Matthew, he had no base of reference to help him understand and assimilate them. His background was in military intelligence, where knowing what's factual or not can be a matter of life and death. People in that mindset can have particular difficulty dealing with incidents that suggest there's a reality beyond what they know. Wolfgang Pauli, the physicist who worked with Carl Jung to devise the theory of synchronicity, said that they occur, synchronicities occur, because mind and matter are dual aspects of the same underlying source. You heard me say during my conversation with Steve that Pauli called it the dual aspect monad. Monad simply means a single unit, and the philosophy of monism says that mind and matter are two aspects of the same thing, some sort of unifying consciousness that's universal. Synchronicity is a connector between mind and matter, and it's proof that they are not separate as we currently believe. It's actually a way of understanding the world that goes back ages, but modern humans are trapped in dualism, a way of thinking based on a huge error in how we understand the universe. Around four centuries ago, we started separating mind from matter. And gradually, the divide has widened. Today, we even think of mind as a product of matter. Without the brain, there'd be no mind, right? We are finding out the hard way just how wrong that is. This process of correction continued playing out in Matthew's life as he encountered entities and experienced paranormal phenomena that made him question reality. If entities or beings could enter his bedroom at will and pop up while he was fully awake and outside his home, it must be something that didn't have to follow the rules of reality as they are commonly understood. And he's not alone. Fred told us the numbers add up to more than thousands of reports every year, and those come from the tiny fraction of people who report what they experience. The true numbers could be in the hundreds of thousands or even millions just in the United States. If you think of it as a spectrum of experience, many of our past guests would include themselves on it. And so would your hosts of this podcast. The thing that really grabs me is that many reports of ET encounters show that they happen either while dreaming or just after waking up. Dreaming is very intimately tied with this phenomenon and other paranormal phenomena, something I was pleasantly surprised by as I researched my next book, which, by the way, the publisher, Skyhorse, has made available for pre-sale on Amazon. It's titled The Science of the Paranormal, and you have to search using my name, J.M. DeBoard. Dreaming is a function of the mind that taps into the subconscious, and that's where these phenomena, plus what we call ESP and psychic functioning, arise from. But I'd argue that some of the experiences 
are actually dreams. But stop yourself before you say, oh, well, if it's just a dream, then it's not real. Dreaming might actually be a sort of viewing station to see beyond and perhaps experience beyond ordinary physical reality. Matthew said something else during his interview that really struck me. Let's play it now. So that was what I did. I just, I just decided that I was not going to be afraid anymore, and it was going to be whatever it needed to be. That, that, that was the big thing. I, I said, no matter what it is, I don't care what it is, whatever you're going to show me, show it to me, and I'll deal with it. Um, so that's what I did. And, and I think that that is when the whole experience changed and it, it became something else entirely. And and this is why I call it an initiation because there's that initial tearing down. And then once you get over that tearing down, there's the building back up on the other side. Um, and, and that was what started to happen after that point. Didn't you go through a, a time period then of of sublime peace, a peace that you would never know, where you felt really, literally at one with everything? Yeah, and it, I, after after a while, the depression started to lift, and then I started to feel better, and then I felt better than I had ever felt in my entire life, and then I started to feel this this connection to everything that was so powerful that I could feel things, animals, people outside of myself, but I could feel them as though they were me, right? I could, I could feel what they were feeling. I could feel the grass. I could feel the trees, the bugs in the ground. Um, and, and that was, that was bizarre but you know in the end when i as i was feeling that i knew what it was i thought this has got to be that uh that feeling of enlightenment or nirvana that that people have spoken of you know um that kind of oneness with god he came to realize that his encounters were an initiation into a deeper understanding of what the world is and that first he had to overcome his fear. Fred said the same thing. Once Robert realized that what he was experiencing was an initiation, the experience opened up and became a spiritual awakening. He goes more into it during the interview and in his book titled Initiation. Initiation rituals often begin with learning that the world doesn't work the way you've come to believe that something is behind the scenes with the power to do things that shouldn't be possible. We find accounts in the historical records going back thousands of years, from around the world and in cultures everywhere. Initiation, in fact, used to be a regular part of life. We've lost touch with this part of life, and I get the feeling that the ET encounter phenomenon may be a response. Carl Jung said that repression of aspects of consciousness lead to eruptions from the unconscious. Whatever we try to repress will find a way of expressing itself. We've repressed knowledge of what we really are as spiritual beings, and as a result, we are finding out the truth through other means. 
through ET means, through encounters. It means that the further we go into the belief in materialism, the more we should expect contrary evidence to be forced into our awareness. In the end, this may be what triggers the mass awakening we've been promised for centuries, and that's all the rage these days in New Age circles. Matthew's initiation included a crash course in the history of this phenomenon, and here in this final clip, he talks about what he learned from studying the life of Buddha. It gives an idea of where we are headed. At the end, when these armies of darkness are descending upon Buddha, you know, he he makes it rain flowers as they're shooting arrows at him and and then he touches the earth and and i thought you know this is exactly what i did i i kind of i went back to my roots and in stressful situations this these are the things that i do i will just i will put my emotions to the side you know and i will I will pick up the things that are being placed before me and I will use them to kind of formulate a new worldview, as it were. I'm not afraid of doing that. And so this situation for me was no different. And so Buddha touching the earth and going back to his roots, that's exactly what I did. And and I just did the things that I have always done. I have since come to understand that that's something called uh, the theory of positive personality disintegration by a guy named Dabrowski. Um, And he was a Polish psychologist who survived human experimentation in Mm. Nazi death camps. Um, And so this is his theory. He came up with it. And it's basically says that, you know, life is a series of these initiatory experiences and you can put emotions aside and you can uh, formulate a new worldview and place these things into your hierarchical values, your value system, and and reorganize your worldview based on the truths that are being placed before you. Um, And it's just being able to do that and being able to get through this experience you can only get through this experience that way. We are learning as a species that we have a creative power that's unlimited. That instead of the separateness of everything that's accepted as fact under the materialist paradigm, there's a oneness to everything. But we need a way of confronting the illusions we've created over centuries of misapplication of our power and misunderstanding of what the world is. To that end, I want to share with you something shared with me by Mike Marable. He's a longtime explorer of the dream world who has had many, many out-of-this-world experiences, and he learned how to differentiate the various levels of it. He says, I am a dreamer, lucid dreamer and out-of-body explorer. As I explained in my recent book, How to Have a Good Life After You're Dead, I talk to the overlap of these states And it takes some investigation and parsing to figure out what's what. And that only comes through experience, I think. There are tests one can run to see if we are interacting with thought forms, dream characters, etc. With regards to alien visitations, I personally would not be inclined to immediately assume that these were visitations 
unless I knew the person and could ascertain what they were interacting with. Because of the intensity of interest around this topic, there are some very convincing thought forms created through mass and individual consciousness. Complete 3D movie-like scenarios are out there. Convincing virtual reality experiences. And I'll just say for Mike that he's talking about when he has these lucid dreams and out-of-body experiences. Look up our episode with Ian Wilson because he's learned how to program his mind so that he can have these experiences in his dreams. Completely real, fantastic science fiction fantasy experiences like you've never heard. Anyway, back to Mike. For example, in a lucid dream once, I was aboard a craft that was a replica of Star Trek, and the crew had taken up the characteristic of characters in the TV show. I spent what seemed like hours aboard this lucid dream craft. People who have OBE experiences are very familiar with this sort of experience. As you know, we have sleep paralysis during REM periods, and people report being assaulted by the hag, the man in the black hat, and being taken by aliens. OBEs and dreams take place in REM sleep cycles. Alien abduction and these other experiences are tactile experiences for those who report them because the ethereal body, the one in a frequency just above the physical, expresses sensations that feel every bit as real as our physical body produces. This is also the dream body. When I get OBE and touch things, I can't tell the difference from my waking interactions with them. Lucid dreamers do this too. When I first started to travel, and he means astral travel out of body, I had to really test to see if I had gotten out of my bed physically. Here is something strange to consider. An injury to the ethereal body can produce a corresponding visible counterpart on the physical body. Myself and others have experienced this. People who have an abduction experience sometimes report marks upon returning. I have had it happen with OBEs and lucid dreams. And I'll also say, JM here, that I've had this happen to me, and many people have come to Reddit asking why something they experienced in a dream shows up as a mark on their body. Shows you just how strong this experience is, how deeply felt. And Mike is saying that it's because the physical body has a counterpart known as the ethereal body. And the ethereal body is what travels when we are dreaming or out of body. So here, back to Mike. Finally, I have had lucid dream encounters with alien-looking beings. They didn't pass my tests to be more than thought forms. I have also had real encounters. My point is, unless someone is adept and able to tell the difference, we can't know what the experience is. Is it subjective material from the unconscious, thought forms, or an actual encounter? Mike's eye-opening exploration of these deep states of consciousness 
gives us a blueprint for helping us know what they really are. And we have Fred and Robert and others who are reliable sources for reporting their experiences. In the final analysis, we find in common an assertion I agree with. Here's Robert. We went through an absolutely genuine hero's journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's yeah. the Joseph Campbell. I mean, I mean, I know Campbell was impacted by Young, and Young actually does discuss UFOs in some of his writings. But this is the quintessential hero's journey. You had to go deep within. And mm -hmm. I, I guess at some point you might have said, or you may have had maybe during that peaceful oneness period, wow, maybe this is all worth it after all. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, and, and, and that's one of the things about this is that you, you understand what the universe is and what your place in it is. Um, and, and to know what the universe is, is something that, I think is is probably the most useful thing that could ever happen to you in life. And I think that most people who we would consider to be geniuses, people like Einstein, uh, you know, and, and all the others that, that we would consider to be, you know, the epitome of, uh, of, of what it means to be smart or, mm -hmm. or wise as a human are all people who have been through this. They may not talk about it, um so much or we may dismiss their what they do say about that kind of thing because we want to just take their science and run with it but why why were they so good at these scientific discoveries it's because they in fact knew what the universe is and once you know that you can extrapolate from that quite a bit um and and so it makes you seem like some kind of genius We've created a prison for the mind in our materialist belief system, and now we are breaking out of it through the experience of encountering things that should not exist or happen according to that belief system. It's a slow process that's accelerating in this time of existential crisis. And the further you go with it, the more resistance you stir up. The resistance is so strongly against the truth of what reality is, you may even find yourself in confrontation with the worst sorts of darkness, like the Buddha found himself in, or like what Jesus encountered during his 40-day ordeal in the desert. Mystics, shamans, seers, priests, and others have encountered it too. There is a stronghold in this world based on denial of anything that opposes its power. Maybe that's why the powers that be in this world fear these alien encounters so much and work so hard to cover them up. You will find that your only weapon to defend yourself with is a heart willing to embrace and love it all even the darkness, and see it all as lost and broken pieces of oneself. In the shamanic way of understanding things, everything we encounter is viewed as an aspect of self, even when we see it outside of ourselves, even when we see it in other people, since everything is fundamentally from one source. That theme has come up time and again this season on our show, and we've shown again and again that the work of healing 
begins in your dreams. It begins by embracing it, by engaging with it. Dreaming is a state of consciousness that straddles mind and matter. It's a bridge between the worlds of night and day, and it's a gateway to experiencing yourself in your fullness. As you go deeper into this work, you'll find that your understanding of reality expands. You'll find it a challenge also to define exactly what you are experiencing. And you'll find that your view of reality will be challenged. My journey has convinced me that the mind has the power to create any experience and to manifest anything in the physical world of matter as part of that experience. Jung and Pali concluded that the mind interfaces with matter at a fundamental level of creation through what are known as archetypes of the collective unconscious. Archetypes are like graphical user interfaces. We interact with them in the mind, and they act as an interface with material reality. They are present whenever we experience synchronicities, and they are basically constructs of thought that can take material form. We find them especially in the religious imagery handed down to us, imagery like Kali, the blue-skinned Hindu goddess. She's an archetype. Mother Mary is an archetype. Jesus is an archetype. Whatever they are beyond that, who knows? But what they are in the mind is a doorway to experience the greater reality. First, they lead inward. And once you know that world inside you, they lead outward to the world outside of you. For millennia, we've dealt with archetypes in different forms, but the underlying reality of them is the same. They are engaging with humanity much the same as the Tic Tac UFO craft in a cat and mouse game of, we're here, now deal with us. The more we try to conceal and hide, the more they erupt out into the open. And we better be damn careful, because as scholar Jason Giorgiani says, when the intellectual elite of a society ignore the invitation to engage, the tricksterish archetypes go underground and engage with other members of society that may be ill-equipped to deal with them. Many times in history, it has led to the sudden overthrow of existing power structures. Jung said that's basically what happened in Germany during the late 1920s and early 30s. A substrate of the population became possessed by the archetypal power of Wotan, the German god of war. We must each face our own initiation to have the wisdom and integrity and strength to face what stares back at us from the dark. That's the bottom line. That's the final message. This is called a neuralizer. It's a gift from some friends from out of town. This red eye here will isolate the electronic impulses in your brains, and more specifically, the ones for memory. 
All right, there was no alien. Flash of light you saw in the sky was not a UFO. Swamp gas from a weather balloon was trapped in a thermal pocket and refracted the light from Venus. And this is the final episode of season three of The Dreams That Shape Us. We will be back in January to start a new season. Be sure to take advantage of the winter solstice season. The longer hours of darkness give us more time to dream deeply. It's our time to dream about what we want our reality to be in the coming year. Drop by dreamschool.net. Our online classes are ready for you. Are you ready to go further than ever into the world of your dreams? I'm J.M. DeBoard. Thanks for listening. For my co-host, Steve Ernenwein, we wish you happy holidays and nighty-night.